What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game Locked On Buck says Milwaukee win a thriller in Philadelphia. Uh, there was uh, MVP battle going on in this one. Uh, Giannis came out on top. There was some interesting defensive stuff. There was a starting lineup change. Uh, there's plenty to discuss from this game, so we're going to get into it right now. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Hear me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And there was multiple tweets coming through, Frank. The people are ready for this post-game pod. The Bucks beat the Sixers 118 to 116. Uh, we say it sometimes that we sometimes skip the conversation ahead and talk about other things that yeah, we find interesting, and we're going to get to that. We'll get to the lineup, we'll get to the defense, all that kind of stuff. Maybe one defensive play will come up first, but we should start with Giannis Frank. Uh, he went nuts from the end of the third quarter through the fourth quarter. He's been the best fourth quarter scorer. I, I believe he's still uh, leading that uh, category uh, in the league this year, and he went crazy in the fourth quarter and finished with 40 points. But I, I just thought that, Yes, he scored in ways that we know, and you tweeted the clip where he went coast to coast in 4.8 seconds. The idiot that I am, I looked down to pick up something off the floor, and by the time I looked up, he'd already dunked the ball. But then... Are you new game, here, Kane? Are you new well, here? You would what, think what's, so. What's going on? It just goes to show that even if you've watched eight years, nine years of this man, he can still do something that you've never <laughs> seen before. Then he had the pull-up jumper. Then he was actually held the ball and didn't try to get the ball out of his hands for the free throw. It was a different way of closing from Giannis, but either way, I enjoyed it just as much. Yeah, I mean, almost three years to the day uh, to his 45-point performance in 2019 yeah. that clinched, basically sort of clinched the MVP, his first MVP. Um, that was a game that they trailed at various points and you know they were able to kind of scrap together. And obviously Giannis was... A monster that night, a number of big blocks. I think he had four, maybe he had four blocks that night, um, but was kind of doing a, a bit of everything. And you know, we talked about it. I think uh, last week that you know this is kind of like Giannis's last stand in terms of the MVP race. We saw Tim Bontemps came out with the the latest straw poll, which had Jokic out to a pretty commanding lead over Joel Embiid and Giannis third. And I mean, again, I think as we've discussed, I don't think we really have. A huge objection with Nicole Jokic being third or being first. He's adding a, an historic season just in terms of all the metrics that he's putting up. I mean, we saw what he did to the Bucks firsthand, um, you know, a month or two ago. But you know, it 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 it's been a bit surprising to me that this narrative has put like seemingly most people have just sort of like assumed it's Embiid and Jokic, and Giannis has just been like trying to like has to like fight and scrap to be part of the discussion, even though the Bucks. <laughs> have been neck and neck here with the Sixers for a little while. And um, I think probably a couple things. One, you know, Embiid was 
maybe the co-front runner a year ago when he gets hurt with Jokic and maybe a little bit's perception of he missed out on a chance to be MVP last year. People have this weird thing of not wanting to give Nikola Jokic MVPs. And so, yeah, you know, it's like this year, they really want Embiid to be right there for the MVP with Jokic. But I, I think, you know, Giannis delivered kind of the, you know, again, I, I, I tweeted out, I mean, you couldn't have scripted a much better statement game in terms of Giannis making his case for both MVP and defensive player of the year. Again, I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, turn up the the favorite tomorrow in Vegas based on tonight's performance alone. But we know how much of this is narrative based. And, you know, just looking at Giannis's numbers, the fact that the Bucks are, you know, now ahead of the Sixers in the standings, literally just a win off equal in the loss column with the heat for the number one seed. Giannis is literally has scored the exact same number of points in the exact same number of games as Embiid. They're both at 29.88 points per game couple point a uh, couple tenths of a point behind uh, LeBron stat pad and old LeBron uh, for the league scoring lead um, yeah I mean I think it was just a reminder and unfortunately this was not a, a national television game for reasons that are baffling to everyone the LeBronless Lakers got torched by the Mavs on TNT tonight while league pass viewers had the pleasure of watching this game um, but it was just you know I think just a reminder from Giannis of the type of dynamic ability he has that we've been seeing for years and years and years and the kind of night where you say don't take this for granted that play at the end of the third quarter um you know some of the drives and i think just some of the the jump shooting as well i mean that corkscrewing left shoulder turn three uh um uh baseline jumper he had over paul Millsap in the first quarter you know again if you're right-handed you want to turn more easily to your, to your right shoulder. And by the way, I'm not sure if I'm like reversed in this, in this, this video, but, um, but you want to turn to your stronger side. So you don't have to turn quite as much. We've seen it a few times. He did it like a few times against Denver. And I think in the game after that, where you're turning your whole body around, you're going your left shoulder with your right hand and shooting a jump shot the way he did against Millsap. That is really hard to do. You don't even try that shot very often. Chris Middleton can hit that shot because he's Chris Middleton and that's what he does. But Giannis was really feeling himself when he had that. He had a couple other turnaround jumpers tonight. And then up one to dribble into that little dribble left, oh. pull up, rise and fire three or uh, long two. He was chirping, I think, back at the Sixers bench after that one. And then obviously to cap it off um, with just a special defensive playoff, a scramble. Love to see James Harden badly missing clutch threes. Harden was very good overall tonight, but... Um, you know, did you trust him late? Uh, well, I think the Bucks trusted him <laughs> to not make big shots. And Embiid, Johnny on the spot, gets the rebound uh, as Brooke, I think, was helping off on Harden on that shot. And thankfully, Giannis, the best help defender in the NBA, comes in and just makes a terrific play and winds up. The the fact that it was ruled a goaltend uh, actually probably ended up helping the Bucks because, um, the you know, he kind of spiked it out of bounds. But um, if if it hadn't been for that Sixers get the ball back with who knows how much time left. Um, but instead, because again, they have to rule it while there's no possession on the block at the time. Um, it ends up being a jump ball at midcourt and good luck scoring from 1.6 seconds when the, the clock goes live on the tip. So um, really, really fun and quality win by the bucks coming back. They're down 14 in the third quarter. They were down 13 early in the fourth quarter. And I think just the way that they were able to grind on both ends and put the ball in the pans of their best players. And obviously we talked 
we'll t- continue to talk a lot about Giannis, but Giannis making big plays, Chris Middleton making big plays, Drew Holiday making big plays. That tri- that that tr- trio has been just special in crunch time for quite a while now. We saw it in the finals last year, and uh, you know they once again were good enough to close this game out and uh, get the Bucks a, a really fun road win against obviously a team that has been neck and neck with them in the East standings for a little while now. It's interesting. I mean, you were the one that in our DM was talking about the timing uh, of this block, and and it's really hard to tell because the ball kind of actually goes out of picture. But the interesting thing is there was a like 2.4 or 2.5 on the clock when the goaltend actually happened. So I'm not sure uh, what what changed there or why. Uh, it, it was, was a late call. It was a late call. You know, like yeah, strange. If, you, strange if you're if you're a viewer, it's 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 interesting that they can't change the clock. But anyway, whatever. I'm not complaining about it. That's for sure. Hey, I, I want to keep talking about Giannis. But you mentioned that night three years ago. What did you say happened on that night three years ago? The 45 point win by the Buck or 45 points from Giannis. To... Wrong. That's not what happened on that night. What happened on that night is oh, Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> forget the 45 point performance the most violent act that anybody has ever seen in the history of the universe happened on that night if you think will smith and chris rock was bad go back and watch buck sixes from the three years ago towards the end of the season so that's why i'll always remember that night Uh, but i also always remember prize picks uh but before you do the ad read just, just in case people didn't remember, know what that was. That was the Sixers radio guy narrating Eric Bledsoe catching a ball and then sort of whipping it at Joel Embiid and having it bounce. He off whipped him. it at Embiid, and uh, of course, it did not hurt Joel Embiid at all. But it got Eric Bledsoe kicked out of that game, and just remains one of the most overdramatic renditions of or, or narrations of a of a basketball play ever. But anyway, continue, Kane. Prize picks. I love Eric Bledsoe, uh, but and he did some really good things in the court for the Bucks. But that's still my my favorite memory of Eric Bledsoe's uh, time in Milwaukee. But uh, Price Picks, uh, it's easy to use. Uh, you just have to pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. Uh, it's that easy. So whether it's points, rebounds, assists, blocks, whatever it is, whatever prop you're after, uh, you can find it there on. Prize picks it allows mixed sport entries as well. So if, you know, once baseball rolls around, maybe you want to do some Brewers and Bucks uh, stuff there and uh, have some fun. And Prize Picks, like I said, it's not just NBA, NFL when it's back, but MLB, soccer, MMA, whatever you're into, you can find it on Prize Picks. And for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get fifty bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. Uh, that's right. This is an exclusive offer for Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA50 and you'll get 50 bucks for free. You're a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. All right, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast after you're done with Locked On Bucks today. You might hear from Locked On Sixers and see what the mood is like over in that camp. You might hear from Locked On Lakers, which, by the way, I will be listening to Locked On Lakers after I'm done recording this today. They are out of the play-in tournament right now, and uh, it's going to be chaos over at Locked On Lakers, so I'll be checking that out. Uh, So you should do the same there. As we keep talking about Giannis, and just on the MVP and the straw poll, uh, so we mentioned it last time, and I think whenever it was six weeks ago, two months ago, uh, you asked me and I said that, um, so I, I don't vote for the 
official awards, but for the ESPN straw poll, I threw my threw my uh, my list in there, and I I had Giannis three. I had him behind uh, Embiid. I had him. Uh, oh, Jokic, I had one. Then I had Embiid and Giannis. Which, by the way, Frank, if you're you're doing that stupid get out of here. I'm giving you, you the Marcus Camby. I'm giving you the Marcus Camby. And if you go back and listen to the podcast when I said that, you said, yeah, I would agree with that. So, you know what? Don't turn around now and do that. Today, when I did my straw poll, it had changed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. When, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. When did, you do, when did you put Embiid ahead of Giannis? Uh, when was that? Two months ago, whenever it was. Okay. Like, it's I mean, a- I, you know, I, I, especially like after the Sixers come into Milwaukee and it's so close, right? And the Sixers and the Bucks come were looking legitimately. And, yeah, they were looking shaky. Embiid scores, what, 43 or whatever to Giannis is 32. Yeah. And they win without Harden. I mean, uh, again, like you, you can't over-index on a single game, but when it's so close, I, I don't blame people for for looking at these head-to-head matchups as as a tiebreaker. And obviously, you know, when the Sixers won in Milwaukee and Embiid put up 43, I wasn't going to sit around and say that like, oh well, Giannis is clearly the MVP because you know, well, he's still playing better defense and other. No- I mean, look, I get it, right? Um, uh, the uh the head-to-head and who's going to finish ahead of the other in the East standings. If one of these teams finishes first narrative wise, that's a pretty compelling argument. And then I think the other one, obviously just being, you know, if Giannis, if we we're going to end the last, you know, Giannis has the last word on this in terms of the head-to-head matchup by dropping a huge performance in Philly for a win, you know, Hey, hopefully that that's was a national TV broadcast, but, um, but so it goes, obviously, the guys we're talking about have all been so good this year. They're all deserving of an MVP and an average regular season, but uh, it just so happens that they're all doing it at the same time. And I think obviously Giannis made his case tonight for why, hey, Jokic, you, if you want to say Jokic is ahead of everybody, I think that's fair. Um, but at a minimum, made an obvious case for why he should be ahead of Embiid right now. Yeah, well, we did, we did it yesterday and I, I had... Embiid three now, I, even before this game. I just thought that what we've seen Giannis do over the last six weeks, and by the way, we mentioned this, uh, the schedule stuff kind of helps his case, Giannis, in terms of MVP, because they've been playing a bunch of really good teams and the Bucks have been winning. Giannis has been going crazy on both ends. So uh, I still had Jokic one. And, and honestly, I, I feel that there should be some sort of union between Bucks and Nuggets fans in this MVP race anyway, because... I do think that it's it's bullshit that the treatment that Jokic gets, and particularly last year, he was incredible last year. He's probably been better this year. And the team that he's playing with, the second best player, Farton Will Barton, as J.A. Skeets likes to call him. Uh, I mean, come on. We've got to pay Jokic to respect. So I had Jokic 1, then Giannis 2, which I'm sure some listeners will be like, what are you talking about? You can't have Giannis 1. But what I will say is it doesn't count for anything. It's right now. And six hours after I did the vote, Giannis did this. So I think he's in the mix. I just think that uh, it'll be challenging for both of these guys still to get over Embiid. Uh, but based on the straw poll, a lot of the guys that are in that will get votes. So it does tend to indicate that perhaps Jokic is starting to separate there. They beat Philly a few days ago, by the way. So I, I think Embiid's out of the race personally. That's just me, even though he's had a great season. But the numbers are virtually the same as Giannis. Giannis did that to him today. It happened today. This is locked on box. So I, th- I think Embiid's out of the race. We've been talking about the starting lineup for a while, Frank, if we if we change to this. And we have suggested or thought that at some point in time, maybe Grayson Allen will slip out of the starting lineup. His minutes have been slowly trending down. Uh, he hasn't been in those closing lineups, which hasn't necessarily been a new thing. That's sort of happened throughout the season. But it did seem 
relatively likely that there could be a Pat Connor and that'll slip in there. Or Wesley Matthews was a guy that we also mentioned. They went with West today. And it was interesting that West was the matchup they decided to throw to Harden from the start. Uh, Bud was very complimentary of Tyrese Maxey in the pregame. And Drew was kind of the guy that was on, on Tyrese Maxey there. Uh, what did you think about West Matthews coming in? It was clearly a pretty hot start for James Harden in this game. Is is that the move that you would have made at this time with Wes in there? And and do you think they'll stick with it? I think at this point, it's that late in the season that Bud might go for the five guys defensively. And I know people like to to rag on Wes Matthews a little bit. I've been I've been pretty impressed for the most part how he's looked considering they picked him up for nothing halfway through the season. But if you put Wesley Matthews in there, you have five guys that can defend. You don't feel like there's anyone that's going to get picked on. It does make sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm I feel like I've been um, initially maybe more more for nostalgia purposes, um, <laughs> but I I feel like there's you know a pretty logical argument for doing what we saw tonight and. Again, we we'd been talking about this as a possibility, you know, in the playoffs, right? Especially if you end up playing, for instance, the Brooklyn Nets. You know, do you really want to have Chris Middleton have to be the guy yeah. with some Drew Holiday defending Kevin Durant, and then you know, obviously you have Drew Drew Holiday on Kyrie, and then Grayson Allen. Yeah, there's some guys you can hide him on, but in switches, you know, again, you you have you're going to, you're going to have to be fighting the fact that you have an obvious sort of target uh, on, on the defensive end. And I don't think Grayson's a, a bad defender. Um, but I think it's just very different when you have Wes out there. And so, I mean, Bud's telegraphed this, Who, who's been closing games. Mm-hmm. It's been Wes Matthews, you know, I mean, <laughs> since basically right for the Christmas game, that was, I think kind of the, the big like wake up call to, how Bud viewed Wes and the comfort level he had with Wes playing late in games. Wes hit a huge three in that game, but really the more important thing was, I think, just the defensive versatility that he provided and the fact that you weren't worried about him switching onto smaller or bigger guys. And, you know, coming into this game, you know, Wes is a guy that I think size-wise makes a lot of sense on Harden. And, you know, it's not like Harden was just, like, going one-on-one with Wes and and going right at him. I mean, he, he went right by... Middleton a couple times, but with Wes, it was pretty much just they had to use pick and roll and put Wes into those pick and rolls, make him go over screens. And, you know, look, Wes is only going to be able to do so much. No player can do a ton um, trying to go over screens when it's that hard and Embiid pick and roll, which I think over the course of that game we saw did cause the Bucks a lot of problems. They made some adjustments. You know, we saw in the second half, Wes was actually, they were doing some, some soft switches eventually. Wes actually switching on to Embiid so that they were not in a position where it was just, you know, um, Wes having to go over and Embiid kind of being able to roll free down the center. And he repeatedly got open for pretty easy for him kind of mid-range jump shots. I mean, he, he hit nine shots in a row after he went one for eight to start this game. He started really cooking. We saw why he's been so good this year. I mean, you play great defense, force him to one out of eight, and then he still goes out and gets you 29 points efficiently. Um, so I, I actually liked what you know, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with the decision to throw Wes in there again, like, you know, especially in the regular season, I am curious if they're just going to ride this out. Um, I mean, if that's what you think gives you your best chance from a playoff perspective, I think, and I think this was entirely looking forward to the playoffs, the fact that they're leaning into this more, then why not continue to, to go with it? I think we know that he likes bringing Pat Connaughton off the bench and Pat doesn't have the strength or defensive versatility that Wes does. And look, if you're going to play Wes, 
he's, I think, the worst offensive player out of these guys. So what's the easiest way to hide that? Well, play him with your three best players in Brooke Lopez, and he's not really going to have to do as much versus if he's coming off the bench playing with mixed units. So, hey, I've, I've been supportive of the idea. I've been supportive of West closing games. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's like an ideal solution and this is what, you know, the, the Bucks are going to, you know, lock it in and the Bucks are going to win a championship doing this. There, there's obviously limitations, especially on the offensive end with Wes out there. You know, he was fine tonight. Um, actually drove and hit a lefty layup going at Embiid early and then hit a pretty important three when they were down double digits in the third quarter. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting to watch kind of what they do. But um, certainly we've talked a ton about the rotation. Obviously, Wes going in was the big story of, of this game. But, you know, you look at it, um, who played tonight? Hey, George guys. Hill only, yeah, George Hill only nine minutes. He's the kind of eight and a half guy. You could say that maybe <laughs> nine full guys because Serge got three, three minutes in the first half. Um, but Bobby Portis only plays 14 minutes. Uh, Pat Connaughton, 18 minutes. Pat just did not. Fi- finally, his three point shooting with his bionic hand uh, kind of ran out of luck a little bit, 0 for 4 from three and had a couple of just bad misses. Um, including at the end of the third quarter, Giannis did a really nice job setting him up for a straightaway three, and he just thumped it off the backboard. So he was probably due for for a game where he came back down to earth a little bit. But, I mean, Grayson played 25 minutes, gave you 10 points on five shots, four rebounds. You know, I I think he certainly looked like he was comfortable in that role. Obviously, he's come off the bench plenty in his career. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the minute totals, felt very much like a playoff, you know, ish, uh, set of minute totals with Drew at 40 minutes, Chris 39, Giannis 38, Brooke Lopez 29 important minutes, 17 points on 14 shots. Uh, obviously, you know, he was a big part of when they were able to slow down Embiid. And we even saw Brooke switch out um, onto Harden and ball handlers at a few various points and look okay. You know, we, he usually is, is better than kind of people give him credit for. Um, so, yeah, I, I think certainly interesting to see the minute allocation tonight and not to say that this is what it's going to be every night. I think the unique thing tonight was when Embiid was on the bench, there was no Deandre Jordan. There was no other true center that played tonight for the Sixers. So the Bucks were able to go to Giannis at center with basically four shooters around him. And obviously Giannis was able to really get going at the end of the third quarter um, when Embiid sat down, but I looked at it, you know, Embiid was kind of chirping after the game about how they should have matched his minutes better and, basically taking a shot at Doc Rivers for not having him out there when Giannis was out there. Um, but I actually went through the game log and I think Giannis was eight out of 13 for 21 points when Embiid was in the game. So he was eight for 11 for 19 points when he was out of the game. So it's not like, you know, it's not like that was the the single deciding factor in this game. Um, but obviously the way the Bucks were staggering minutes, Giannis again getting early rest in the first and third quarters as they were trying to get Bobby staggered with him, um, obviously worked out pretty well. And you know, again, it's kind of ironic, right? You think, oh, you're playing the Sixers, you need to have size to cope with Embiid. But interestingly enough, you need Brook Lopez's size. You don't necessarily need a ton of size elsewhere because the Sixers really played pretty small, right? With Paul Millsap and George Niang being kind of the other "quote unquote" big men off the bench. Well, yeah, and and Embiid actually played more minutes than Giannis in the night as well. Uh, for some reason, it felt like Paul Millsap played more than nine minutes in this game, but uh, it must have felt like even longer for him. Let's just say that uh, only only uh, a minus five. Um, I, Sixers, <laughs> I mean, Maxi was the worst minus six, Embiid was the best plus three. So it was interesting. Like it's not like any 
you know, and again, not to over-index on single game plus minus, but just as far as like looking at like where did the Bucks runs come and things like that. I mean, it's not like there was one guy who was the common thread across the lineups that that the Sixers struggled with. I mean, kind of ended up being kind of fitting of a game that was decided on on really the final possession. George Hill minus seven, devastating. Devastating blow uh, for his plus minus on the season. Also, it should be mentioned, I mean, we have spoke about this a lot. Javon Carter didn't play. Uh, Serge Ibaka, you mentioned the three minutes, but they really came at the end of the first half when Portis picked up his third foul. And he didn't see a lot more of Portis after that. And, and Brooke Lopez had two, and I think they just wanted to preserve uh, Brooke there. So I guess from that point of view, Serge Ibaka is a pretty handy guy if you just want to preserve fouls and get a couple minutes in towards the back end of the first half. I'll tell you what else is handy. That's Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. Uh, you guys know that I love Built Bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, better than any other candy bar, and they're also healthy for you, for all the health freaks out there. You can get mint, brownie, coconut, coconut almonds, uh, white chocolate cookies and cream. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's plenty of flavors, and the flavors are coming out all the time as well. So just keep an eye on Built.com. And you'll be able to see because we know if there's a flavor that Built thinks might be good, they're going to try it. They're going to make it delicious. And then they'll figure out later how to make it healthy for you, which they always do as well. They're all about the taste. And all you have to do is go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. You mentioned... Joel Embiid and how they were using him and how the Bucs were trying to defend him. It was interesting at the start of this game, uh, the Bucs were sending double teams to Joel Embiid. It was kind of basically as soon as he would start to make his move, they would feel comfortable sending the second guy out there. And then when Embiid really started to get rolling, it was just repeat touches at around the free throw line area where he was able to start to become effective in the second quarter. And it, I think that that's good for the Bucks to see that because I, I thought that they felt pretty comfortable in that first quarter with that double. And yes, sometimes there was a couple of wide open threes for James Harden. He's hit on miss. He can either hit nothing but backboard or he can get hot. He eventually get hot, got hot in this game. But as far as the Sixers go from a lineup perspective, my guy who I love, Matisse Thibel, uh, was an absolute non-factor in this game. And this is a challenge that the Sixers have. Tony they, Snell game. Well, Tony he had Snell one, game for, for Matisse Thibel, right? <laughs> He had one shot, which was that breakaway uh, sort of transition off a turnover, which he does really well. He got the dunk. But other than that, he was a non-factor. And I think that this is big for Milwaukee. If they can make sure he's not... If, if they can't have him on the floor, because you know that they'd love to have him on Chris Middleton, and he's a really damn good defender. But if, if they can't find a way to have him on the floor and the Bucks just aren't going to care about Batista, which they shouldn't in the half court, then it's a question of how washed is Danny Green. And I, I think that that's a win for the Bucs. So it was interesting to see how they played uh, defensively to start this game and also how they were treating Matisse Thibel on offense. Definitely some parallels between Danny Green and Wes Matthews at this point, you know, just mm-hmm. in terms of guys that offensively really only are factors, as, you know, in terms of spot-up shooting. And as far as doing other stuff, you don't really trust them to do a whole lot else, as far as dribbling, making plays, getting the basket, any of that. Um, I think most people would say Danny Green's still a better player than Wes Matthews. But again, I think, you know, I don't know how Wes was a free agent until start of December. I think, you know, the the fact that you've gotten a guy who's not just a rotation guy, but potentially a guy who can play real minutes for you as sort of a defensive wing specialist is pretty remarkable. And I think also just unique to the Buck situation, right? Um, they proved out with PJ. And again, I understand different types of players, 
um, to an extent, but in terms of like the overall profile of kind of defensive specialists who bring some versatility and don't do a whole lot except other than shoot threes on offense, um, the Bucks are uniquely able to shoehorn a piece like that into um, into their offense and and not give up give up a ton. Um, but it was interesting with Tybal. You know, we saw in the game in Milwaukee last time the Bucks were just completely abandoning him when he was spotting up in the first half, doubling off of him, daring him to shoot. I think he took one shot and missed a three-pointer. And then to start the third quarter, they put in George Niang uh, in his place, and Niang immediately hit hit a couple threes, I think. Um, It was interesting tonight when Thibel was in there. It seemed like they were trying to put him in the dunker spot, not have him like uh, setting up as a three-point shooter because they kind of knew that the Bucks would basically just be like, all right, don't ro- you know rotate off him um, and and don't worry about him. Make sure the ball ends up in his hands to shoot. Um, you know, Bucks ended up because of all that doubling. They had to be pretty. They had to. They were scrambling a lot. Um, I thought for the most part they did an okay job. You know, uh, they probably gave up more open threes than you would want. It's obviously something that they tend to do. Uh, but Philly, you know, I mean, they were 41% from three tonight. It was a pretty good, pretty good shooting night from them, right? Again, this wasn't a game that you won because Philly just couldn't hit an open three. Um, they, you know, Niang missed a bunch of threes, and then he hit a couple big threes. They got a number of big threes uh, in the final five, six minutes that kind of kept the Bucks from being able to really get the separation that you thought they might be getting at various points. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you know, in that in that same vein, Kane, you know, saying that maybe it's a good thing that. Philly went to their bread and butter there and started to get things rolling with the pick and roll. Yeah. Um, you know, you can argue, Hey, especially since you came out with a win, uh, I think not, not so bad that you had to take some punches that Philly didn't just roll over. Um, you know, again, there were still some plays from, from Harden in particular where, you know, he ended up making mistakes. I think Embiid finished maybe one for four um, down the stretch after he had made those nine straight. Um, so again, you were able to rely on those guys, maybe not being, the super clutch guys that that Philly needed, um, but for the most part, you know, again, Bucks are getting in some good tests here in crunch time, and um, you know they've obviously had a couple games here and there, such as the the game in Minnesota, this game here in Memphis on Saturday, which were kind of clunkers. But um, you know, we've seen it again in the fourth quarter. These games, they've been able to really buckle down, play with confidence, play with patience. You know, Drew Holiday, the the, the Drew Holiday dribble across the lane and right hand hand yeah that was pretty and then um you know it's so fun watching the bucks in crunch time remember remember when like you know that brooklyn series when it was just like what are the bucks doing oh, why, why the <laughs> way? and now you know just the the actions that they can run with you know Giannis typically at the elbow setting screens chris coming off pin downs chris doing kind of iverson cuts all different kinds of things you can do just variations of a set that looks, you know, always looks pretty similar, but you can do so many different things out of that. Um, you know, we saw Chris, I think, was it Chris or Drew that threw that really nice lob um, that Giannis went, that really high lob that Giannis just went way up to the sky to throw down in the fourth quarter. There it is. Look at how high this man is. If you're on YouTube, have a yeah. look at how you, Tyrese Maxey's head is at Giannis's butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Joel Embiid getting a good view of, uh, of a two, <laughs> what a two-time MVP looks like right there, Finals MVP. Um, so it was just just fun to watch, and you know, drew out of one of those actions, just step back, steps back, calmly hits an open three. Um, you know, Drew had a bit of an uneven night, but hit a couple big threes. 
in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, again, this has just been fun to watch the Bucks go to work. And, um, you know, I think were, were you tweeting out someone just were you tweeting out the the clutch stats or some someone just I saw was just mentioning the Justin. Yeah, just our friend Justin Garcia was tweeting out the clutch stats basically, you know, since the was it since the all-star break or for the full year? I mean, I, I was looking at it a little while ago too. I mean, their, their full year clutch stats are great. Um, plus 14, had... second in the league, uh, plus 14 net rating, second best in the league behind the Suns who are on another stratosphere. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it's, uh, these, these are the games why, I mean, this is why we watch regular season basketball, right? Um, not every game is like this. Not every game is with a, you know, has this sort of matchup and, uh, you know, has the subplots obviously, but, uh, you got to just really enjoy them when, when you get them and, you know, no, not a whole lot of time to celebrate this. You got to go to Brooklyn uh, on Thursday uh, and hopefully, you know, take two out of three from this really difficult road trip. Um, place the Bucks, obviously the Nets, they've obviously had a fair bit of success against the the Nets, um, but uh, but we'll see. Obviously, you kind of hope it keeps rolling and then, oh joy, you have to roll that into a back-to-back against, uh, against the Clippers, I guess. So, um, but hey, um, Giannis, 29.9 points a game. My dream of the 30 point per game average lives came to fight another day. Uh, and uh, hopefully the, hopefully the Giannis award buzz uh, takes an uptick here in the next, uh, the next couple of days, new cycle. I'm changing my vote. I'm messaging Tim Bontemps right now. And I'm saying I need to do another straw poll. I've seen enough tonight. Giannis is the MVP. By the way, Patrick Meyer on Twitter tagged us both and said, uh, did that just crack your top five top shots? A block against Philly on the road that's a that's going to be a, a memorable highlight uh for years to come there's no doubt about that and i think if we go back to the mvp and we come back because as much as i joke about it we talk about the votes i mean there's no question i would say if Giannis didn't have an mvp he's probably the clear mvp favorite right now we know this is all these different things that go into this so it's going to be challenging for him to win it but you talk about defensive player of the year which i think defensive player of the year this year is, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who are they going to vote for? I've got no idea who they're going to vote for. Giannis might benefit from some voter recognition because people know that he's an excellent defender. Draymond Green's obviously missed so much time. Maybe they can't be bothered voting for Rudy Gobert anymore. The Utah Jazz's team defense has obviously dropped off as well. So maybe Giannis is in with a chance there. Do you, Have you got the numbers? Have you got the numbers for us, Frank? 29.88. What does he need to do to get to 30? And LeBron... It's 58 games. So I think he has to play three more games three more to actually games. even qualify. So the window is open for defensive player of the year and scoring title. And in that case, you got to be the MVP. How can you be the defensive player of the year and win the scoring title and not be the MVP? That doesn't make any sense at all. I, I don't know. Stranger things have happened, Kane. Um, I, I, the, the LeBron thing is really interesting because he, he sprained his ankle, which is why he didn't play tonight. So... It's going to be really interesting. I mean, the, the Lakers are, you know, literally facing the the prospect of not even making the play-in, and LeBron wants to win the scoring title, so he's got to at least play, play some games. And if he plays, but, he's getting he's putting up probably forty. I mean, we know that. Well, I, I mean, he's going to take a ton of shots. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. So it'll be it will be interesting to watch if he comes back here. Uh, is he going to be somewhat limited? Right. I mean, I think I think we saw last year. Right. It was I think it was a high ankle sprain. Was it that mm-hmm. that kind of the whole, I mean, again, they leaned on it very heavily for the rest of the season that he was not 100% uh, the rest of the way. So I'm curious if, if that may linger and will that limit him somewhat? Will that 
potentially bring his scoring numbers uh, back down to earth a little bit. But uh, but yeah, you know, nothing like a little scoring uh, scoring title intrigue. Uh, I think back to um, my my first favorite player, David Robinson, and uh, it's funny when he scored seventy one. I guess it was ninety four. Uh, I think it was the end of the ninety three ninety four season. Um, you know, there was no league pass and. That game, I don't think that game against the Clippers in LA was actually even like televised. Like if you watch all the highlights from that game, it's all like baseline camera angle stuff. Like, <laughs> it's not like from a normal TV broadcast. Um, and he beat beat Shaq out for uh, for the scoring tell that year. That year he averaged 29.8 points a game. So the, the parallels are tremendous here. My first favorite player, Dave Robinson, averaging 29.8 that year. Giannis uh, at that number right now um actually 29.88 so give him 29.9 but um but we'll we'll make for a fun stretch run here and uh we'll see the, the you know his his bubble experience he was at he ended up at 29.5 i forget he wasn't at 30 when he headbutted mo wagner and missed like half a game and his scoring average got dinged because of that i was very bitter about that as you can imagine kane um so so yeah i don't think we've got any more magic games on the calendar so that's good so mo, mo wagner can't uh, bait Giannis into getting kicked out of <laughs> kicked out of a game and hurt his scoring average uh but uh but uh, i mean again the scoring title mvp and then you know not to bury the lead but the the race for the top of the east um it, it's going to be a fun couple weeks and plenty of uh plenty of tough matchups still left i mean we talked about it brooklyn got Dallas on the weekend. We've got a Celtics matchup, I think on uh, the seventh, um, you know, still a number of opportunities here for Giannis. Giannis may need to put up 40 and 15 and six and three blocks in all these games in order to win, <laughs> to win MVP, but who knows? Uh, I'm, I'm not one to bet against Giannis at Kumbo. I know that. I've called it. It's down to Jokic and Giannis. That's all we need to worry about. And by the way, uh we mentioned this on yesterday's podcast that he had 40 points in this game which means that he's 39 behind kareem for the franchise record is he going to do it against the brooklyn nets frank <laughs> hey uh, he's had some big games I'll, against the nets yeah I'll, I'll say no just that's really hard to do um i'm actually i'm and i'm actually just generally really curious how they're going to handle this back-to-back um I, I thought just the way i mean he, he kind of turned his ankle a little bit on Saturday in the first half. It just looked like, again, just looked like it was one of those games where it's like, oh man, Giannis does not seem like he's hundred percent right now. Just some of the missed layups. Um, it just felt like, man, if this was, if there was a game the day after tomorrow against some random team, like that may be a DNP sore knee type game. So for him to obviously get an extra day of rest, come back tonight, he was listed as probable uh and play the way he did obviously uh he did not look like a guy that was going to be uh was going to allow himself to be rested in a game like this i have to think he's going to play on thursday and i think probably the more interesting question is like do they try to potentially rest him or, or other guys on 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 the the back-to-back against the clippers at home again i don't think the bucks like resting guys uh especially at in home games right not not exactly a great way to endure yourself to fans uh but that that will obviously be a decision i think they only have two i think they only have two back-to-backs left and that's one of them so um again i, I know the bucks are going to prioritize the big picture but uh you know I mean, there's these fun subplots right i mean just just go out there and win some basketball games it's this is this is what makes the regular season fun there's one thing for sure tonight they wanted to win this game both both teams wanted to win this game based on how they they approached it during the game 
the Bucks changing the starting lineup, all those types of things. And it was fun. It felt like playoff basketball. Uh, but we'll see what happens here over the next few days. I believe I'm catching up with the guys from Locked On Nets tomorrow. So you'll be able to listen to that and see how those guys are feeling in the in the play-in tournaments with uh, not too many games to go before the playoffs. But that'll be fun. We thank you for listening, of course. For Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys tomorrow. Oh, man! There's that